Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8, For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God had before ordained that we should walk in them. Last week we saw that salvation is by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. And we saw that the motivation for salvation was God's amazing grace or unmerited favor to man. God freely gave us his son to die for our sins, that we may be redeemed from the destruction or the penalty of sin and have the forgiveness of sin by the blood of Christ. But not only this, but we saw the means into receiving that grace. The Bible says, but as many as received him to them gave ye power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. And so to receive the gift of God uh, entails of faith, a believing, a receiving, if you will. And that receiving or that faith uh, simply requires us to call on the Lord and to ask him to save us by faith. To confess our sins before the Lord, for he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And thank God for a saviour that does that. His blood is pure. And without the blood of Christ, there is no forgiveness or remission of sins and we saw that the means of receiving it is by faith alone not of works lest any man should what boast because works undermines the blood it does faith doesn't faith receives the blood faith believes the atonement amen uh, faith acknowledges the fact that the blood of christ is sufficient and that uh, we're not saved by the works of righteousness but we're saved by the blood of christ which is sufficient and uh, not only this, but works undermines the suffering Saviour. So behind the blood of Christ is a suffering Saviour. The crucified one. The one that died upon a cross to suffer and die for our sin, the just for the unjust. And so works undermines the cross, if you will, or the cross of Christ and the suffering Saviour. Faith doesn't. Faith calls on the Lord, believes on the Lord, and acknowledges the Lord in every fa uh, uh, facet, in every form. It knows and understands that when Jesus died on that cross and he bowed his head, he said, it is finished. What's finished? The atonement, the down payment. Jesus died and uh, simply paid the debt that we cannot. He, he died for us. He was broken. His body was broken on the cross for you. His blood was shed for you. And that if you believe, on the Lord, you be saved. But works undermines the cross. And so this is where we see that it's not of yourself, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. However, where we're going to see today that works or good works is not a dirty word. It's a good word. It's just the motive in which we practice works that matters. If we're practicing good works to earn God's favour, then it's tainted. However, if good works is a result or because of our salvation and we maintain it, it is good. And it needs to be empowered again by the grace of God. And we need to live by faith. The just shall live by faith. Okay, so now that God requires us to live by faith, by God's grace. And that requires good works. Not for salvation, but because we are saved. Because we are this, the means of the gift is not just to take us to heaven. It's not just to have this wonderful eternal life because the moment that we believed, if that was true, God will receive us and take us right up to heaven. No, but there's a work to be done before he comes in our life and through us and in us and in the church of God. Today we see a bunch of uh, professing people that would just sit on their, if you will, blessed hope and uh, claim that they're saved but don't lift a finger or do nothing of uh, any sort regarding works or good works in the house of God or for the Lord or in, in any way. So we have to understand the means is not only salvation but the result thereof and what is that? Well, it, it's really what we find in uh, Ephesians 2 verse 10 and I want you to see it. Look what he says in Ephesians 2.10, For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus under good works. Look at this. Which God had before ordained that we should walk in them. So God, uh, before the foundation of the world, not only ordained or planned and purposed salvation through his Son, but also that we would, as Christians and believers, walk in good works 
in Christ Jesus. He ordained that too. It was God's part of his plan and purpose. And so for to be uh, ordained or so before ordained means that God previously determined and planned and beforehand that those that are in Christ will live out, listen, their, good, uh, their Christian life by doing good works. In other words, God predetermined that we should live holy lives that bring glory to God in love. I mean, if you go to Ephesians chapter 1, back it up a chapter, you'll see it very clearly in verse 3 and 4. He says, blessed, to, blessed be the God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who have blessed us with spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ, according as he hath chosen us in him before the foundation of the world, that what? That we should be holy without blame before him in love. This is what God had planned and purpose. And you know what? That begins by our positional salvation. When we believe on the Lord, we are sanctified in Christ and we are made holy in him. But as Peter says, and I was going to see in other verses today, that we are supposed to walk in good works or we are uh, to do the good works, but we are also to uh, be holy as he is holy. We are to live out our Christian life. We are to live out our salvation, if you will, and what we have in Christ. Believers or Christians uh, uh, that have believed on God are God's chosen people who are called to live holy lives. 1 Peter 2 says it best. We looked at a three-part series in this in verses 9 and 10. But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people, that you should show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness into his marvelous light, which in time past were not a people, but now a people of God, which have not obtained mercy, but have uh, obtained mercy. Now, now we have obtained mercy by God. We should now show forth his praises that we have been called out of darkness into his light. And so therefore we must live a According to the will of God. I like what Adam Clark said. He said, He has saved us that we may show forth the virtues of him who hath called us from darkness into his marvelous light. For though we are not saved uh, for our good works, yet we are saved that we may perform good works to the glory of God and the benefit of man. You know, God has not only called us to salvation. But it is the will of God that we be sanctified. This is the will of God concerning you, even your sanctification. God wants us to practically live out our salvation or what we have in Christ. Salvation is God turning bad people into good godly people and transforming slaves of sin into the sons of God that follow after the footsteps of his son. Now it is God who ordained and planned that every believer grows into Christ likeness. No, Romans 8, 20, uh, 29, for whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be what? To, to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among the many brethren. Colossians chapter 1, 28, the, the reason for preaching the apostle Paul says is this. He says, for we, whom we preach, warning every man, teaching every man in all wisdom, that we may present every man perfect or complete in Christ Jesus. In Galatians 4, uh, 19, he says, my little children of whom I have travailed in birth again until Christ be what? formed in you this is the goal of our salvation that god will mold us and make us and form us into the image of his dear son god desires every believer to walk as christ walked ephesians chapter 5 verse 1 be ye therefore followers of god or imitators of god as dear children and walk in love as christ also hath loved us and hath given himself an offering and a sacrifice to god for a sweet smelling savor our sanctification is a work in progress. It takes time. Salvation is a one-day deal, one time, one moment. We're saved. We call on the Lord. He saves us. The Holy Spirit is therefore given to that person and God begins to work in their life by his leading and prompting and guiding. And we see that in the scriptures very clearly. But, it, but sanctification is a long uh, working progress takes time. It's, it's a continual work of God's grace done in the life of the believer as we walk by faith according to the word of God. The Apostle Paul says, by, gra by the grace of God I am what I am, and his grace which was bestowed upon me was not in vain. But I labored more abundantly, yet not I, but the grace of God that was with me. The reason why the Apostle Paul was able to, to labor and serve God because God continued to give him the grace as he walked by faith. There was one time given to him a thorn in the flesh to keep him humble that the grace of God will remain upon him and the, the power of God will rest upon him that he may finish what God started as the Apostle. Now he understood that it, it, there was a part from his end that he didn't want to be a castaway. 
So he will have to be disciplined in his Christian life. And he said right at the end, I fought a good fight. I finished my course. I kept the faith. And so we understand there's an element of responsibility that after we're saved to walk in the newness of life and to walk by faith, fulfilling the will of God and doing the very thing that God has called us to do as Christians. I believe the ultimate calling for every Christian, no matter what gifts and abilities and faith or the measure of faith that God has given you within the Christian life is to be like Jesus. You know, I don't want to be a, 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 a good preacher first or a good pastor first, although that's good. I don't want to be a good husband first or a good father, although that's fantastic. What I want to be is a good Christian. I want to be a good Christian, so why? Because therefore Christ is able to help me be a good preacher, a pastor, a good father and a, and a good husband. I want to be a Christian, a good Christian, a follower of Christ. I want God to work in me the, 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 the fruit of the Spirit and, and, the, and I want the marks of the body of Christ to be manifested in my life. And I believe that's the highest calling that we can have. Even the Apostle Paul said, you know, he hasn't apprehended, he hasn't arrived. I forget those things which are behind and press forth to those things which are before. The high calling of God. He presses toward the prize, the mark. What is it? The high calling of God, which is in who? Christ Jesus. You know, the Bible calls believers or Christian in verse 10, his workmanship. Now that word workmanship is also found, I think, one other time in Romans chapter 1, verse 20. And it's interpreted as uh, this, uh, the uh, things that are made. Okay, this is, this is the same word used as workmanship. The invisible things of him from the creation of the word are clearly seen by the, being understood by the things that are made. God's workmanship or God's handiwork, if you will. Uh, even his eternal power and Godhead so that they are without excuse. When you see creation, the sun, moon and stars, animals and humans and everything that God created, you see God's uh, created hand or you see his handiwork. You, you see his magnificent, if you will, workmanship. You see it crafted all over the place. It's a, piece, it's a masterpiece. It's a, it's, a, it's a wonderful work of art made by the hands of God, creation. Even the human body created in the, in, in the belly of a woman and the way he designed all that was, is absolutely beyond us. But he also says that we in Christ Jesus are also a masterpiece, God's handiwork. Without Christ, no one can be fashioned you know, in the, in, into the things of God or the purposes of God or the will of God. We are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works. I believe par part of the reason, part of the reason why you have people professing Christians that do not work out their salvation with fear and trembling is because they have, been, they have not been crafted by God in Christ. Salvation hasn't come by the Holy Spirit and regenerated them and caused them to be born again and made a new creature. I mean, this work, this powerful gospel, uh, you know, when we believe it's powerful, it, it's dynamite. You know, we become the sons of God. God makes us heirs together with Christ. You know, a lot of people just want the position and the position and the position, but the outworking thereof is forgotten. We have to, we have to uh, kind of say, why? Why? Because I believe it's not taught enough. And I believe it's not uh, simply uh, preached enough. And I believe it's undermined today. Grace, 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 grace. And I'm all for grace. But grace teaches us something as saved believers. It doesn't stop there. It teaches us something. Something very important. And we'll see it before we close the message that grace teaches us in the classroom of Christ to walk in the newness of life and to resist that which is godly and to lay aside sin and now to fight the good fight and run the race looking unto Jesus who is the author and the finisher of our faith. We are his workmanship. God not only formed and fashioned the world by Christ, remember Colossians 1, he formed and fashioned the world. Everything consists because of Christ. But, be, but because of Christ, we are created as new beings. Born again. It's a wonderful thing. It's tremendous. God. Masterpiece. He's the, part of his eternal plan of salvation. We are 
his peculiar people, work of art, turning uh, slaves of sin into sons of God, uh, taking us out of darkness into his glorious light, giving us life instead of death. It's wonderful, it's great. A preacher once said, each of our lives is a canvas on which the master is producing a work of art that fills uh, that, that will fill the everlasting ages with his praise. You know why you can sing? Because of the masterpiece of God in Christ Jesus. You know why you have a new song in your, in your mouth? Because of God. It's wonderful. 2 Corinthians 5, 20, uh, 7, uh, 17, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a what? A new creature. All things are, uh, old things are passed away. Behold, all things are made new. He says in Ephesians chapter 2.10, we are his workmanship created into, in Christ Jesus unto what? Unto good works. Unto. Unto. Don't stop at Ephesians 8 and 9. Keep going. Keep going. It's, it's sad that people just have memorized Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 and don't even understand Ephesians 10. It's sad. But Ephesians 10 is so important to the leading up to chapter 3, 4, 5 and 6, which we don't have time to look at, but we'll probably get a little glimpse. It's there for a purpose. As a matter of fact, you know, majority of the New Testament is written to save Christians that we would walk in what we have. As ye have therefore received Christ, walk ye in him. But this stops at the receiving Christ today, doesn't it? What about walking in him? What about fulfilling the God's will in our lives? Look, have a look at a, a new creature. He says, unto good works, a new creature in Christ, someone said. We have a new nature which is created by God to live a life characterized by good works instead of by the desire or the flesh and our wicked mind he alludes to the fact of ephesians chapter 2 verse 1 and 3 and reminds him or us that what the christian has been saved out of have a look he says and you have he quickened who what who were dead in trespasses and sins he says where in time past ye walk according ye walked according to the course of this world according to the prince of the air of the power of the air the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience among whom also we all had our conversation in times past in the lust of our flesh fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of mind and were by nature the children of who of wrath even as others but ain't you glad that you are the child of the redeemed, the child of God? Isn't that a blessing? Let me just say it again. Doing good works is not a dirty word. It's not the taboo in the Christian life. You mentioned good works or, you know, I know you're not saved by good works, and, 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 but, yeah, but we're supposed to do good works after we're saved. Can we, can we say that? Or, hang on a minute, do you mean it for fruit or anything? No, no, we're supposed to live like Christians because we're Christians. Is that okay? It's not for salvation, it's because of salvation. Yeah, yeah, but we have to make sure that it's not, yeah, I'm sure. Get on with it. Let's do it. You see what I'm trying to say? It's always just talking about, are you sure? Yes, I'm sure. Let's go. Let's do it. Let's walk as Christians. And the moment that you walk as a Christian and want to do the will of God, they deem you to be someone that's simply saved by works because you're working to the glory of God. I had someone yesterday message me. Ironically, yesterday, after I posted up that uh, pride little video that was disgusting, and he messaged me and he said, uh, do you believe that you're saved by works? I said, no. I said, I believe that you're saved by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone, with all my heart. And I sent him the message from last Sunday. He says, oh, well, I see your tracks and, you know, your tracks that you have given to other people as well, other churches that have, you know, purchased your tracks and all, all the rest of it, borrowed your tracks. It says otherwise. I said, oh, does it? How so? He goes, you talk about repentance of sin or, or turning away from sin. I said to him, what, what, okay, well, define to me what turning away or repentance of sin is. Define to me. Tell me, what is it in your dictionary? 
And he never defined to me, he just said that it is impossible for us to simply turn from our sins because we need to be saved. I said, well, define to me what you mean turning from sin. Because if in reality you believe turning from sin is a change of mind and heart toward my sin and that I can't save myself because, you know, everyone's got their own definition, then that would be a true statement. But what do you define it as? He goes, well, I define it as uh, stop sinning. Nowhere in my tracks, nowhere in my preaching, you go and look it up and if I've said anything, I'll recant and, uh, and, and, and say, I'm sorry to the Lord and repent. Have I ever said that repentance or turning from sin is stop sinning? As a matter of fact, I told him I'll preach against that because no one can stop sinning. I said, so therefore, how do you interpret Acts chapter 3 and verse 26? Do you interpret that as stop sinning? And I haven't heard from him. Every time we see a turning away from iniquity or sin, does it mean stop sinning? No, it doesn't. No one can stop sinning. That's why we need a saviour. We want to, we, and, and by the way, on this side of heaven, no one can simply be sinless perfect or have this sinless perfection. It's crazy. Because we haven't had the new glorified body yet. You know, read chapter, uh, Romans chapter 7 and see and understand what Paul went through. But does that mean we take God's grace for granted? No, he deals with that with chapter 6. Does that mean we abuse the grace of God? No. Uh, can we? Yes. However, just because we're not sinless doesn't mean we, want to, we don't want to sin less and get victory and be more like Christ and put off the old man and put on the new man. Listen, brethren, good works is not a dirty word. It's only bad when you say you've got to be saved by good works because it undermines the cross. By the way, when you uh, simply view this message and if anyone's viewing it online, uh, go see part one first, please. Because when I preach this now, you're going to think, oh, here's works-based gospel. No, go look at part one. Because I'm going to start preaching on good works. Okay? Because it's there, and it's there, and it's there, and you can't miss it. You can't miss it. Even Paul talks about good works. Because a lot of them would say, well, you've got the Apostle John and Jesus and Peter. They emphasize holiness and living, which we're, they were for the Jews. No. No. There's no difference between Jew and Gentile. We are one in Christ, all right? God wants everyone in Christ, created in Christ Jesus, unto good works, live out the Christian life, every single one of us. So good works is not evil, it's not a dirty word. And again, we do not perform good works to, to glorify ourselves, even as Christians, we don't want the glory or boast, God forbid. Good works is not for boasting, but for bringing glory to God. Jesus said it himself. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. John Phillips said this, the believer is not saved as a result of good works. Good works are a result of his salvation and we hope so. Amen? Allow me to point out several important things before I continue on the subject. And again, these you know, practical things on good works will probably be in part three. But number one, let me say this, good works is never for salvation. That includes trying to maintain your salvation by good works. Have a look at Galatians chapter 3, I'll show you. A person cannot maintain their salvation by doing good. Salvation is of God. It's, it's all of God. We receive it by faith. And therefore, don't you ever think that you can add, even after salvation, to your perfection of what God wants to do in your life. We're not only saved by grace through faith, but we serve and we follow and walk by grace through faith. And, uh, and so Galatians chapter 3 verse 1 says, O you foolish Galatians, who have bewitched you that you should not obey the truth, before whose eyes Jesus have been evidently set forth, crucified among you. He points them to the cross. Because you know why? Because the cross is sufficient for salvation. And he points them to the cross. Uh, you don't have to add anything to it, not even circumcision, which he, the church in Galatia, were deceived by some that crept in and thinking that they had to perfect their salvation and, and all the rest of it. And, and, and he says that you've been fallen from grace and you've kind of distorted the grace of God in your life because it's none of that. Listen, even Christians, you Christians, if you ever think that you can perfect your salvation which you have in Christ by doing good works, you've got it wrong. Salvation is of the Lord. Even the sanctification that we walk by faith is of the Lord. We have to yield by faith. That's why the just shall live by faith. 
And he goes on to say, This only would I learn of you. Received ye the Spirit by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? Are ye so foolish? Having begun in the Spirit, are ye made no what? Perfect by the flesh? Are you complete and mature? No, you're not. You cannot add religious works or good works of any form and fashion to your Christian life. It's by the Spirit of God that you were saved, faith in Jesus Christ. It was a work of God in your life. And God wants to continue to do that work of uh, God in your life. You don't go back and now say, well, you know, we need to do this and you need to keep the Sabbath. We need to go and be circumcised. We need to turn church and we need to give and all that so we can just be holy and all that. No, 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 no. We are holy. And God wants us to live out our holiness for his glory. We're not doing it for salvation. And this is the thing. It could be a big blunder here because it could actually you as a Christian can start weighing, you know people start weighing up uh, their good works with their bad works and they say, well I've got all these good works here and it'll outweigh my bad and I'll get to heaven. Well you know Christians can do that too in their walk with God. Well I've been good this week you know I've read 10 chapters, I've prayed and I've given money and I've you know uh, resisted temptation, God's given me you know it's better than last week and you weigh up your if you're going to live your Christian life like that you're done because it's not about you know uh, your progress per se and we thank God for the sanctification growth that we have but you don't compare it you don't look at yourself and say oh look how uh, great I have trans you know you know what Paul said I forget those things which are behind and reach forth to those things which are before as a matter of fact the closer that you get to God and Christ and walk in the spirit the, the more you realize how much work needs to be done <laughs> you're, you're in that mode constantly Lord I'm unworthy we'll, we'll forever be unworthy we can never get to that point yeah, but you understand I've crossed my T's and dot, dot my eyes perfectly you know yeah well yeah there's no more no more work to be done Laodicea no more work you're rich increased with goods you make God sick and we'll get to that point in a moment now there's a lot of work to be done and it's the work of God by the Holy Spirit in our life as we walk by faith. So don't you ever think that you have to maintain your salvation, right? By doing good works, which leads us to the next point. If a truly saved believer does not maintain good works, this does not mean that they are not saved, period. So in other words, they could be grieving the Spirit of God or quenching the Spirit of God and therefore their spiritual growth will be severely hindered. God tells us very clearly not to grieve the Holy Spirit of God whereby we are what? Sealed unto the day of redemption. Now, can we grieve the Spirit of God in our life? Yes. Can we quench the Spirit of God or the working of God in our life? Yes. And people do that. So if a truly, I put an emphasis, truly saved person or believer does not maintain good works, it doesn't mean that they're not saved. It means they need to get right with God and continue to please God and, and repent from where they have fallen. A Christian and a church as a whole can get to the point where they are, you know, make God sick. Have a look at Revelation. Revelation 3. He says, I know thy works. I know thy works. Were they working? Yes. I know thy works, your character, your manner of life, your attitude, everything that you're doing, I know that. He says, you're neither cold or hot. I would that you were cold or hot. So then because they are lukewarm, neither cold or hot, I will what? Spew thee out of my mouth. Can you imagine God saying that to his people? Say, so can it happen? Yes, it can happen. And God forbid it ever happened in our church. Man, that would be heartbreaking. What well, we make God sick. Displeasing our heavenly father by the way we walk and work. May God help us and we don't do this. It's like the believing Laodiceans had arrived and come to a comfortable place and they thought, you know what, there's no more Christian growth to be had and perhaps their attitude was like, she'll be right, mate, it's all good, you know. I don't know, I don't know what was going on, but God says, you know what, you need to be refined in this area. You, you've increased with goods, you think you're all right, you've arrived, you have need, need of nothing and he challenges them to get the wrong right and he tells them to repent. And he tells them that everyone whom he loves, he's zealous he, he, for them, he tells them to repent. You know what? God just wanted the best for the loudest thing. Yeah, they made him sick, but he just wanted the best for them. When you see someone not doing what God is supposed to, as a believer, what they're supposed to be doing doesn't necessarily mean that they don't have salvation. 
Now, let me say this to you. If a truly saved believer does not maintain good works, it doesn't mean that they can lose their salvation, but that their fellowship with God is seriously hindered. Seriously hindered. So that, you know, there are people that believe you can lose your salvation and therefore you need to maintain good works to keep it. That's wrong. How can you maintain what God has given you as a free gift? He who begun a good work in you, God begun that good work. You know, not only the work of salvation, but even the work of love in the church at Philippi. He who begun a good work, I'm confident of this very thing. The Apostle Paul says that he who begun a good work in you will finish it until the day of Jesus Christ. You know what was Paul confident of? That these saved Philippians that were benevolent in giving to the Apostle Paul and that were mission-minded from get-go, and you see Lydia and the Philippian jail and all these people, he commended them for the, the, the way they supported him. Because he said, you know, you, 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 you are the ones that have been giving. And, and, and I hope that this will be to your account. He's, he's, not a, he's not even concerned about the gift. Paul was willing to be a tent maker. But he was happy to see the work of grace in their life giving. And that's a work of God. It's a work of grace. It's not a work of man. Uh, he says to the Corinthians, I do you to wit of the grace of God that's bestowed upon the churches of Macedonia. How in the great trial of affliction and their deep poverty, poverty, that they were willing of themselves in order to give, and they gave benevolently and beyond their power. Wow! Beyond their ability. How? Because the grace of God was at work in their life. And so, again, just someone quenches the Spirit or hinders the Spirit of God in their life doesn't mean that they're going to lose their salvation. No, we're sealed under the day of redemption. Number four, the free gift of salvation in Christ Jesus, given by this amazing grace, secured by the hand of God, if you will, should encourage every believer to love and serve God by maintaining good works for his glory. That's what this amazing grace should cause us to do. Paul the Apostle said in Romans 6, what shall we uh, say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. How shall we that are dead to sin live, in, live any longer therein? You know, we are freed from sin to serve God, not to serve sin. That's what he says, Romans chapter 6, verse 22, he says, But now, being made free from sin, you become servants of who? Servants to? And have your fruit on the holiness and the end everlasting life. Number five, we've been redeemed and freed by Christ to serve God and others and not to serve self. Galatians 5, verse 13 says this, for brethren, you have not been caught under liberty or freedom. Only use your freedom or liberty for an occasion. Uh, uh, only use not your liberty for an occasion to the flesh, but by love, what? Serve one another. Serve one another. A preacher once said, he, Peter, was uh, simply talking about uh, Another paradox, if you will, Paul outlining a paradox in the Christian life. Christians are free, yet they are slaves. Uh, they can, uh, we're talking about the, uh, the next verse I'll allude to you. Uh, let's look at the next verse, and then we'll, we'll quote this preacher. He says in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 16, As free, not using your liberty for a cloak of maliciousness, but as the servants of God. So here, Peter, he says this preacher, he outlines a paradox of the Christian life. He says, Christians are free, yet they are slaves. They can live as free people, but must not use their freedom to, but must use their freedom to glorify God. We glorify God when we serve Him faithfully. And as redeemed believers, we should enjoy our freedom. We should enjoy what we have in Christ, but not abuse our liberty. Uh, we're not free to do whatever we want. Uh, we're not free because we're just going to heaven and we can just live the way we want. As Christians, we've been bought with a what? And we belong to who? And now we need to honour God with our life. And let me ask you a question while I continue to teach and preach on this. Are you really honouring God with the life that he's given you in Christ? Are you? Because you have a new life in Christ. Are you living it out? We're not free to do whatever we want. And we, we are certainly not free to or use our liberty as an excuse to do evil. That's what Peter's talking about here. You're free. Enjoy it. Praise God. But don't use your liberty. Don't use your freedom for a cloak of maliciousness. But as what? Servants of God. 
You're free to serve God. Serve God. You've been free, liberated, and thank God for that. But now serve God. By the way, the Christian life cannot be lived outside or a part of God or a part of Christ. You cannot. 1 Thessalonians 5, 20, 24 says, Faithful is he that calleth you who also will do it. Now this is a big one. The next one's a big one and could be highly misunderstood. Listen carefully. Number six. We are not told to prove our salvation by our works. We are taught that if we have salvation, our faith should work. It should. What if it doesn't work at all? Well, it's dead. That's what James says. Go to James chapter 2. Have a look. It's dead. If, it doesn't, if your faith doesn't work in any way, shape or form, and doesn't even seek God diligently, then it's dead. If your faith is just come to acknowledge the fact that Jesus is our saviour and he was born of a virgin, died and rose again, and that's it. It doesn't even cause you, cause you to come and call on the Lord and ask him to save you. And forgive. It's dead. And, and, and I believe this is what James is alluding to because he uses the devils as people that have believed God here. And there's a lot of people that believe God here. I did it for 24 years. Believe God here. So in James chapter 2, he talks about living a living faith versus a dead faith. A faith that is active and not just intellectual, okay? And look at verse 18. Yea, a man may say, he says, a man may say, okay, that uh, thou hast faith and I have works. Show me thy faith without thy works and I will show thee my faith by my works. Thou believest that there's one God, thou doest well. The devils also believe, and what? I guess it's not enough just to believe the, the facts. There's a lot of people that believe the facts. There's a lot of atheists that believe the facts. It's not enough. You can you know, believe and consent like we did that illustration with the chair and, and not be dependable upon the facts and trust the facts. By the way, James is absolutely complimenting Paul here, and Paul compliments James. We are his workmanship, created in, uh, in Christ Jesus. Unto... Verse 10 exists. It's in the Bible. It's in the King James Bible. It's there. It's part of the teaching of salvation. That's why it's there. It, it, it's not just salvation. It, it, it's after salvation. What do we do after salvation? We fulfill God's purpose by living out the Christian life. If our faith is in Christ, then we must live it out. We must do good works. A dead faith that is not lived out is of no value. It's no value. It's just intellectual with no power. It has a form of godliness, but no touch of grace in his life. It's, it's a form. A lot of forms today. Even the demons have an intellectual belief in God, but they don't follow God. They don't follow the Lord. They're opposed to God. Anyone can say that they have faith, but their faith is simply not moved to seek after God diligently, then that faith doesn't please God. It doesn't please God. God is not happy with a dead faith that doesn't seek after him diligently. I mean, you read Hebrews 11, by faith, through faith, by faith, through faith, by faith, through faith. And what came after that? They were moved to do what? To do more than just intellectual consent with God. And he uses Abraham as a perfect example. Look at Abraham. He believed God. How did he believe God? Well, look, he obeyed God. And he was called a friend of God. That's a living faith. That's a faith that simply shows that, you know, this man really believed God. He didn't just say, I believe God. He really believes God. Okay, he really believes it. You can see that he really believes it. You can say, I believe God. But can, can, can we see that you do? And so a person may perform self-righteous works, but without being saved. Did you know that? That's called religion. Motive again plays a big part. Huge part. Because they can do it out of boasting, like that parable that Jesus gave, in contrast to the man said, have mercy upon... He, that Pharisee thought he was the, the wonder of the world. Like, wow, 
Oh, he gave, he fasted, he, he did all this. And God rejected that. It was boasting, it was prideful, it was self-righteousness. But on the other hand, a person who professes to be saved and has not a work of God in their life is self-deceived. A dead faith is a faith that believes about Jesus, not faith that believes in Jesus. And this kind of faith can't save anybody. You can believe about Jesus all you want, but do you believe in him? Do you believe in him? Go to Titus chapter 1. I want you to see this. Titus chapter 1, look at verse 15. But unto them that are defiled, and what? Un un unbelieving. Unbelieving is nothing pure. But even their mind and conscience is defiled. And notice the characteristic that he portrays about these unbelievers. Notice very carefully, they're unbelievers. They profess that they know God. So they, they say with their mouth, I know God, right? But in their works, they what? Hey, brethren, I'm just reading it. They deny him in their works. So they profess that they know God. And notice now the description that Paul gives Titus, heavy-duty language here, and he calls them their abominable, what's that? Corrupt, these corrupt, unbelieving, well, if you want to even call them false teachers from the prior verses, claim to know God, but their actions absolutely review, reveal their clear, their clear nature. No matter what they claim to follow, they deny, deny God by the way they live. And he calls them despicable. Despicable. Uh, abominable. Revealing his disgust at their sin and hypocrisy. Because it's utter hypocrisy. To say that I know God and profess to know God, but by your lifestyle works you deny him. Second of all, disobedient. They're rebels against God, although they claim to know God. Wow. <laughs> Sounds like the children of disobedience, right? Number three, and unto every good work, a what? A reprobate. In other words, they're worthless for anything, for anything good. Worthless, because they're unbelieving. They have a profession, that's all. And the truth is, people that are not saved and purified by God, uh, even as he is pure, and that's what I was looking for, it prompted me to look at first uh, John 3, you know, he that have this hope in them, you know, purifieth himself as he is pure. What hope? The hope of Jesus Christ? Well, well, this person that claims uh, to be saved and they're, they're not pure, they live ungodly lives, they're rebellion against God, they cannot do anything that pleases God because it's not done by faith. I love what William MacDonald said. I love it. He says, while it is true that we are not saved by good works, it is equally true that we are saved for good works. Amen? Good works are not the root, but the fruit. That's going to scare some people. Look at the context of what the message is about. Amen? He says, and look, at, look what he says next. We do not work in order to be saved, but because we are saved. Absolutely. We do not do good works in order to prove even our salvation. We do good works because we are saved. We are the people of God. We are his peculiar people. We want to love the Lord. We want to do that which is right. So good work should be worked out in our lives because of our salvation, not for salvation. In other words, good works should be exemplified and maintained throughout the Christian life. It is what God caused every Christian to do. Go to uh, Philippians chapter 2. We're almost finished. Look at this. Look what he says to these uh, superb, if you will, Christians, these people that exemplified uh, their faith, look what he says to them. Look at this. In verse 12, he says, Wherefore, my beloved, he says, As ye have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence. So you know what he's saying? He says, you're not only putting a show for the Apostle Paul, 
you're not obeying because the God's man is here. Even when I'm not here, you're doing what you're supposed to be doing. But look what he goes on to say. But now, much more in my absence, work out your salvation, how? With fear and trembling. By the way, let me just say, Paul's not simply saying after he said all that, work out whether you're saved or not. He's not saying that. He's simply saying to continue to work out their salvation with fear and trembling. Keep working it out. Keep living the Christian life. Keep obeying. Because verse 13 proves it's not him talking about work out whether you're saved or not. Because then he goes on to say, For it is God that worketh in you both to what? Will and do of his good pleasure. But what's the responsibility of the Philippians? To work it out. God gives us the will, the desire, and he gives us the ability to fulfill it. So everything is at our disposal. We must obey and walk by faith. We must take that step of obedience and say, yes, Lord, as the Holy Spirit prompts us. And so our Christian life needs to be worked out, lived out by obedience to God and his word and his, and his, and his will and his principles. It must. We are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works. Notice the attitude now that the Hebrew writer simply writes to believers. Go to Hebrews 12, I want you to see this. Notice the attitude in which we're supposed to serve God and maintain a lifestyle of good works. Not for, but because. Hebrews 12, look at verse 28. I want you to see this. He gives them the assurance of their salvation and what kind of you know, blessing that we have because of Christ. And by the way, he labors on this all throughout Hebrews. You know, Christ is the only way. It's only through Christ. One sacrifice once and for all. We've got to enter in by faith and believing the gospel. And he just labors on that, right? But he says in verse 28, Wherefore we, receive, wherefore we receiving a kingdom which cannot be moved, what a promise. We, we have a secure, we have a secure salvation. Amen? Let us have what? Grace, whereby we may serve God, how? Three ways. Acceptably, with reverence and godly fear, for our God is a consuming fire. That's the motivation. The Apostle Paul says, knowing the terror of the Lord, we persuade Man, we should still work out your salvation, how? With fear and trembling. Oh, we should not be afraid of, of going to hell. It's not a talking about going to hell, man. It's, it's not talking about, we're saved by the blood. I'm not going to hell, I'm secured. And that, what a beautiful thing, that the assurance that we have because of the cross and we believe on the cross. He's talking about serving the Lord. And, and uh, you look at the psalmist through David, he talks about serve the Lord with fear and gladness. Both, how do you have fear and gladness together? Well, because there's this awe and respect to God. We love God. Salvation is our license that you can go and live the way you want. This is these people that Jude exposes that simply preach greasy grace. No, you are saved, Christian. Come before the Lord with fear and trembling and say, God, like Paul the Apostle, what will thou have me to do? Well, first of all, we want you to go and meet a man and, he'll, and, and, and we'll get your salvation sorted out. And then I'll call you and to the ministry and the missions and how God used him. But he had this fear toward God. And may God give us the grace to say, God, what will thou have me to do? You don't have to look far enough, then we're going to see it next, well, when I get back. The principles of how our faith needs to be worked out and how we should do good works. You know, the Bible says that we ought to maintain and provoke one another unto good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, but exhorting one another. And so much the more, why? As you see the day approaching. You know when the day approaches? More apostasy, more false teachers. You read Matthew 24, have a look. You think it was bad back then, 2,000 years ago? You think it's bad now? Watch it continue to simply uh, escalate and have false revivals and delivering ministries. Oh, it's happening now. 
in, in America, there's this uproar against this uh, uh, you know, revival that's taking place. No, no revival is going to happen in the church when you have women preachers, my friend. Because God said in his word that he had uh, not have a lady or, uh, to serve authority and, uh, and, and preach or teach or serve authority over a man. So that's a bit, uh, you know, rude. And, 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 and No, no, it's God's order. There's all respect. Did you know the Bible elevates women more than the world does? The respect that God gives women. By the way, it was a woman that brought me into the world. It was a woman that God used that brought Christ into the world. But when it comes to functionality... And when it comes to God declaring inheriting his word, he wants the man to do it. Is that okay? Then don't claim that there's revival in the church when you've got woman ruling in the church, which Isaiah chapter 2 says is a curse. It's not a blessing. It's a curse to you. It's out of God's order. And by the way, they're changing God's order rapidly today. Same-sex marriage. That's, that's not God's order, is it? That's not God's order, is it? Of course not. Of course not. Yeah, these, these, people, these people don't fear God. Yeah, yeah, but that's the world. The world. You know how many churches are embracing the woke movement and same-sex marriage and homosexuality under the banner of love, God is love? Well, the last time I read my Bible, my God is a consuming fire. He's a holy God. We don't compromise the truth and the holiness of God under his main, you know, glorious attribute of grace. Brethren, don't err to this greasy grace because it's a slippery slope. I'm telling you now, it's a slippery slope. The, have a look at Titus 2. We're almost finished. I want you to see this. I want you to see what grace teaches us. And I'm not going to labor on this because I could go on for about another 20 minutes. We'll stop here and we'll, I'll share another verse, but I won't labor on this. I'll just kind of quote it, make a few comments. We'll move on because I'd like to use this verse in our next session. What grace teaches us. You know, the salvation that have pit on all men, right? This salvation motivated by God's grace, sits us in the classroom of uh, Jesus Christ and we learn under his feet and he teaches us wonderful things. You know, don't, don't dismiss the Gospels. Don't dismiss the Gospels. You know, part of the Great Commission for the disciples was to go out and teach all nations and baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I've commanded you. Ephesians 4, we'll get there in a moment, read it. For you have not learned Christ. Don't be vanity when you're mine. So there, there's this pattern that God wants us to follow after Christ. Don't dismiss the Gospels. You know how many people dismiss the Gospels? And they just follow the Apostle Paul and they say, we're not, we're not for Christ. We learn a little bit from Christ, but it's not really for us. And they pick and choose what is. And I understand context will dictate to us, but it's almost like they eradicate Matthew, Mark, Luke and John all together under this dispensation, hyper-dispensation teaching. But what does the grace of God teach us? Have a look. For the grace of God have, that bringeth salvation of the pit unto all men, and what does it teach us? Number one, to deny ungodliness. Number two, to deny worldly lust. What does it also teach us? To live. How? How are we supposed to live? Soberly, righteously, and godly. In this present world, looking for that blessed hope. What a motivation. Uh, uh, and the glorious appearing of the great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Look at this. Look at this motivation. Who gave himself for us. That he might redeem us from what? All iniquity. And purifying himself for what? A peculiar people. Look at this. Zealous of good works. Now you wonder why Paul said what he said in the next verse 15. These things speak, exhort, rebuke with all what with all authority why let no man despise it because i believe today there's a rapid movement of shutting the mouths of those that preach holiness and good works after salvation i believe it and it's sad and let me just say by in closing that we do not manufacture any of the fruit of the spirit we cannot 
especially the fruit of faith. We don't manufacture them. Faith always cometh by hearing and hearing by the word. That's why it's always good to get under the word and be a student of the word that we may know and understand what the will of God is and walk therein. But we don't manufacture these things so we can say, see God, I've got good works. And you begin to do what you want to do a little bit here, a little bit there. Now you do what the Spirit of God is calling you to do by His work as you take steps of faith. And by the, by, If you haven't heard salvation and baby steps, go online and listen to it. It's one step after another step. And by the time one year has gone, two years has gone, three years has gone, you look back and you say, wow, look what God has done. Look how he's ordered my life, ordered my step. My whole life has been changed, my desires and dreams, everything. It's because I took baby steps and just obeyed the simple word of God and did that which pleased God in the little things. And I didn't control these. It was the convictions of God. It was the word of God that worked in my heart. And so we don't manufacture them. It is the word of God itself which helps us to be perfected in this area of good works. I'll finish with this. He says, all scripture is given by the inspiration of God. 2 Timothy 3. All scripture is given by the inspiration of God and is profitable for what? For doctrine, for reproof, for correction, and instruction in righteousness. Why? Why? So we can be saved. Is that what it says? No, Paul dealt with salvation in the prior verse. Timothy, from a child you knew the scriptures. It made you wise in the salvation. You put your faith in Jesus Christ. But guess what, Timothy? Continue now in the things that you have learned. There's more than just that. Let's move over from Hebrews 5, 6. Let's move on. Let's move on. What does God want to do? Let's... That the man of God may be what? Perfect or mature or complete. Look at this. Thoroughly, what's that word? Masterpiece. But isn't my salvation a masterpiece? Absolutely. But it doesn't stop there. God wants to fashion you and mold you to be looking like his son. So he wants to thoroughly furnish you unto what it's not a dirty word unto all good it's not a dirty word may god give us that grace that we would serve the lord acceptably and with reverence and with fear Fulfilling what God ordained and planned and purposed way before the whole world was fashioned. This is why the psalmist couldn't believe, my friend, that God who made the moon and the stars is mindful of me. You say, are you more valuable than the bird? Yes. God points that clearly. That the masterpiece is not just the, 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 the cosmos or the universe or the world in which you and I go, wow, what a God. And, we, and rightfully so. But when God is making a glorious church, every part, every Christian in the body, and he's fashioning that body, this, this, this miracle that takes place on this side of heaven, that I believe, I believe is the masterpiece of God, the bride of Christ. And that he would one day present her to his son when he comes and will sit and feast and rejoice at that table. It would be extra special if we get to hear those words, well done, wouldn't it? My good and faithful servant. What, for salvation? No, no, no. Because of. Because of. What a joy that will be for every single one of us that we could live out saying that we lived as Christians fulfilling the will of God for the glory of God and God at that day was pleased. He welcomed me. I could really see that. 
he's pleased. May God give us the grace to finish well, amen, by maintaining good works. And we'll see next time. How does that look like? I mean, what works are they? Like, what is works? What's good works? Is it keeping the Sabbath? Is it circumcision? And we'll look at that next time. Let's pray.